Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. We're motorsports writers for the Athletic, and today we're here to talk about the dawn of the upcoming NASCAR season. We are just getting so close, and our, in fact, our next podcast will be a, a post-race episode already. The Clash coming up. This weekend, um, going out to LA for that. Very, very excited. Obviously, we've talked a lot of Clash recently. So uh, we're not going to necessarily preview the Clash, but Jordan, I thought it'd be cool to to uh, talk about the season overall. Um, one of my new sort of uh, favorite podcasts is the one with, uh, it's called Speed Street. Uh, it's an IndyCar-based podcast with uh, Joey Molinaro and Connor Daly. And, um, on their recent episode, uh, they talked, they went through all the IndyCar teams, sort of team by team, talked about who drive, what drivers are there, who's moved, uh, from team to team, what, what their lineup is. And, you know, I'm not somebody that's like super, super hardcore IndyCar. I mean, I kind of like know enough about it to cover it, but some of the moves, um, you know, I, I was like from some of the smaller teams, I'm like, Oh, is that, that's so okay. And they, you know, they gave their perspective on, who will be good this year. So I thought, let's do that for NASCAR. Let's do a NASCAR version of that um, in our sort of final pre-season episode before we actually have racing to talk about. So uh, first of all, I, I know you just got done with the, with the Rolex 24. Uh, how, how are you holding up uh, in, in the days afterwards here? I'm a little tired. I was I was doing fine yesterday, um, doing fine this morning, and then gradually it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm tired. I actually slept for a little bit this year in between the, the sessions uh, are between the overnight session, which is unusual for me. So I, I can't complain too much, but uh, it was good. The racing was fun. I had a great time. I don't know if you saw the finish or not, but the finish to uh, the GTD class uh, pro class was really entertaining and it was cool to see Helio win and kind of his resurgence. So it, it was a, it was a good weekend all around at Daytona. And of course, if you want to read more about it, Jordan just posted a story, which, um, it was just this morning and sorry, Jordan, I haven't got to read it yet. I will. I promise. I'm sure you will. Uh, I will. I will. Uh, it's been a <laughs> hectic morning. We, we, uh, this is, we're recording this Monday and we just got done with the, uh, 90 minute NASCAR rules briefing for the year where they, they always go over, you know, Hey, these are the, uh, these are the things that are kind of new this year is what to look for. Or the media gets to ask questions, sort of an informal thing. Um, and, uh, nothing, nothing huge came out of that, but just a lot of next, next gen car talk and inspection stuff. So, um, we'll obviously get into that as, as the year goes on, but so let's talk about each of the teams. These are the, the full-time charter teams, the 36 charter teams, uh, who are going to be competing in the cup series this year. There's been a little bit of charter movement, some mergers, some driver movement. Um, we'll just go over it all, give our sort of, uh, overall impressions of, of the teams and, 
what they might be in for up or down year. Um, and let's start Jordan with the defending champions, Hendrick Motorsports, who are returning their lineup intact. Their young four driver lineup of Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, William Byron, Alex Bowman. Now they had a heck of a year last year. Um, they were the dominant team, of course, with next gen car. We don't know what that means for them. Um, do you see them being uh, still as successful this year? I mean, it's hard not to think they're going to be as successful. You've got drivers like Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson in the mix and William Byron, who I'm very high on. But to win as many races as they did in 2022 that they did in 2021, that just seems that's that's a really high ceiling. And you're counting on a lot of external factors that you don't control. I mean, is Stuart Haas Racing going to back bounce back this year? Is Team Penske going to bounce back? If they are, those wins are going to come from somewhere. And so I think Hendricks going to be really good. I think they've got an excellent ch- chance to put all four drivers I- into the playoffs. But for Kyle Larson to win 10 races, we, we talked about it on this podcast. You know, him, I think if he can win five races this year, to me, that's a really successful season. But it, it's still going to pale compared to what he did, you know, last year. And that, that's just a high expectation. Yeah. And we talked about it last episode. So I don't want to repeat myself too much, but I see it the same way you do. It's just. They, they did they did so well last year, and Larson had such a historic season. They're not going to have that advantage this year just by nature of the new car. So, yeah, I, well, you know, while I do see them as winning drivers, they'll probably each win, you know, at least a race, and they'll all make the playoffs. But to think that they're going to have the same overall strength, uh, I think that's that's a lot to ask for. So, you know, I don't think there's too much more to say about that. Uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. With their four-car team also returning that lineup intact with Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Christopher Bell. Uh, you know, looking at this, again, sort of similar as Hendrick, although I think they had some room to improve wins-wise. So I could see them picking up some more wins. I think Bell uh, is a really good driver who who just sh- showed us some, some glimpses of what he's capable of uh, last year. So I think he'll run with his teammates more often. And uh, I see them all as being playoff drivers as well. Obviously, it would be a pretty big surprise if any of them missed the playoffs, don't you think? Yeah, I, I think there these are four drivers you can pencil in for the playoffs. I don't want to call them locks. I feel like I've kind of learned my lesson on that a little bit. Um, but I agree with you in your comments about Christopher Bell. I think he's going to take a next step. We, we saw flashes last year that win on the road course at Daytona was really impressive. He had some good runs throughout the summer as well. The consistency consistency was up and down, but it seemed like he and crew chief Adam Stevens really got on the same page as the year went along. I think Bell is going to be a breakout candidate this year and somebody that we're talking about. Oh, wait a second, this guy is this guy's in the mix a lot. I would expect multiple wins out of him. A couple questions I have with this organization. Um, one is when is Kyle Bush gonna get back to being Kyle Bush? You know, he he won two races last year. He was at times he looked like like Kyle Busch, but there was that was fleeting though, and hasn't made a deep playoff run in a couple of years now. When are we going to see this? Um, he's got a new, you know, he had a new crew chief last year. That question's been answered. They seem to be okay. Another question about Denny Hamlin: um, three straight trips to the championship four. That's really hard to do. Can they do that again? I, I don't know. I'm not going to say no because Denny is as good as it gets, and, and Chris Gabbard, his crew chief, is one of the top in the business. But it feels like that if you're looking for somebody to maybe come back a little bit, that would be a good candidate there just because it's the, you know, the law of uh, diminishing returns. I mean, you, eventually at some point you're going to have to come back to the field a little bit. And Martin Truex Jr. Had a, had a really, really good year last year, almost a championship year, inconsistent at times. 
can they follow that up? And at Martin, um, I'm not going to call him old because I don't want to do that, but he's at that kind of that, that age range where, you know, you kind of start to see it a little bit. So where is he at? I'm, and I'm glad you brought up Kyle Busch earlier because, you know, I think that's really the one I'm watching out of everybody on this team. Um, you know, obviously this car is going to favor certain drivers and hurt other drivers. And what's, you know, where's Kyle Busch going to land on that? You know, on the one hand, seems like it's harder to drive. Like you've seen testing um, as recently as the Phoenix test, um, you know, multiple spins, right? Like Charlotte test, multiple spins. And these guys are finding the limits, but they're also finding that this car is is difficult. And that's what everybody wants to see. So if it's really that the cream is going to rise to the crop, uh, sorry, the cream of the crop is going to rise to the top. Um, cream of the crop rises to the top. Is that not right? The cream rises to the top? No, it was. I was thinking the House oh. of Pain song, Jump Around then. Okay. Um, I, you would think that Kyle Busch is among the elite and so that it would, it would reward him. So I guess my concern is if you're Kyle Busch and you don't have success with this car and you're like, you know, at least out of the gate, you know, first half of the season, you're still struggling and you're not back to sort of Kyle Busch form. What does that mean for like his future? Because this is, this car is here to stay now. Teams are not going to build their own cars anymore. And, you know, they, they're going to have practice now. So that excuse is going to go away. Um, I think he's going to get back to being himself. But if not, I mean, I, I don't know what that means for his career. Like, I, I, how, does, how does he ever get back to his, his other form? So that'll be really interesting to watch. I think that's a really great question or great thing you just said there. And the fact that we are kind of running out of excuses with Kyle Busch. And I'm not you – know, he's still very good. But, you know, in 2020, it was, well, there's no practice. And that's hurt Kyle Busch because he's somebody who really, really is good in practice and needs practice to kind of set himself up for a race. Okay, understood. And then it was the crew chief. And then he got a new crew chief. and It's a little bit of an adjustment. There's still no practice a lot of weeks, that kind of thing. Okay. But it's like at some point, every other driver, every other great driver out there has kind of largely adapted and figured this out, right? I mean, Kevin Harvick still had a great season in 2020. Kyle Larson – has figured it out. Denny Hamlin has. Martin Trick Jr. has. I mean, you go on and on. Like, Kyle Busch is the one who hasn't, though. Like, why? Well, Jimmy Johnson, uh, you know, we saw how it affected him when they went from having loose driving cars to um, this recent car with this that rules package. Uh, it, it didn't seem to favor him. And he just sort of never got back to form and, and that was it. And then he left and then the very next year, somebody else got in that same car and won 10 races in the championship with it. So, um, you know, sometimes certain cars just fit certain drivers and it just comes to down to what they want and what the, what the feel is. We saw that with Jeff Gordon a couple of times in his career where it's like, ah, this, this style car doesn't really fit. Jeff Gordon, um, you would think Kyle Busch can drive anything and he's just so purely talented. He's going to be able to do it. Um, you're right though. I mean, there's no, I don't see what else excuses you can make, um, if it doesn't happen for him. So a lot of pressure, um, on him probably as well as I'm sure he wants to have a good performance for his next contract. Um, so Stuart Haas racing, uh, (laughs) yeah, this is an interesting one. Very interesting one because it seems like, I mean, uh, so there, there are four drivers. They're returning the same drivers, Kevin Harvick, Eric Almarola, Chase Briscoe, Cole Custer. In case you missed it, Eric Almarola said, uh, this will be his last year, um, in racing, um, before he goes, steps out, aside uh, for family time. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem like it get much worse for this team, certainly. So you'd think they're going to 
be on their way up and it would get a lot better for them, whether that's Harvick or, or Briscoe showing what he's capable of, Custer showing that he belongs, um, Amarola, you know, maybe getting some better results. But I don't know what to make of it. Um, what, what's what's your initial impression of what, what this could do for SHR this year? I don't know what to make out of it. And, you know, looking at this list of teams that – I don't think there is a bigger unknown, a bigger question mark about any organization than Stuart Haas Racing. I mean, I would assume that Kevin Harvick is going to bounce back and win a race this year, plural, multiple races. He's good enough. But that said, he's also, what, 46 years old. And drivers that age, we've seen it. Like, it happens overnight, Jeff, where you go from being good to being, you know, past your prime. And I'm not ready to say that Harvick is past his prime because he still had a very good year last year. But like, where what where is Kevin Harvick at right now? I think he's got something to prove this year. Um, Cole Custer, uh, oh I don't know. I, I thought he was going to have a better year last year than he did, and it was incredibly disappointing. You know, we, we've seen flashes out of him before. That you go back to that win he had at Kentucky, where he beat Truex, Blaney, and Harvick on a restart and beat those guys straight up. That was impressive. That was as good as it gets. I thought he was going to take a leap next last year because he really is a driver. If you look at his career from year one to year two. And then year, year two to year three, he's always made huge performance gains. He didn't do that last year. He went the other way. That, that to me. Now, is that because of the car and what was going on at Stuart Haas Racing? Or is that something with him? I think it's probably more of a Stuart Haas Racing thing. But this is a, be a good year for him to kind of, you know, reassert himself. Eric Omarola, we talked about this on, on the podcast a few weeks ago. It's hard to say. I mean, this is a guy who had a great win in New Hampshire. One, you know, beat everybody on performance and speed that day, but then really didn't do much. So it, it's hard to know what to expect out of him. But if you look at the totality of his career with Stuart Haas Racing, he's a playoff contender every year. So he deserves that benefit of the doubt. Which brings us to Chase Briscoe. Um, I, I wrote about this uh, briefly in the, the Q&A you and I did last week with subscribers last Thursday on The Athletic. And I'll say it here. I'm bullish on Chase Briscoe. I think Chase Briscoe wins a race this year and makes the playoff. And I think he's going to have a very good year. Well, I mean, you, you certainly, when you go back to your Cole Custer comment, I think, you know, Cole Custer went from, hey, I'm, I'm a rookie kind of thing. And now I'm still learning, but I have one hand behind, tied behind my back because uh, Stuart House Racing is so off. Um, so you would think they'll be at, on a more even level and we'll be able to judge him a little bit more fairly. Um, you know, though, if, if he doesn't perform, I mean, at some point you're going to be like, all right, what, what, we have to make a change here. What does that mean? Um, I am high on chase Briscoe. We haven't really seen his potential yet. I don't think last year you can really tell much of anything. Um, Eric Almarola, I mean, you know, he'll, he'll run well enough to be a fringe playoff guy on points. I, I don't see him winning a race, although I, I could have said that last year and then he won New Hampshire. Um, and was the only driver to win for Stuart Haas racing Harvick. Like you said, I, I think he'll win multiple races. Uh, he's still Kevin Harvick. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting with their, their two younger guys, what happens there. And, and, uh, I think it'll be, you know, people are naturally going to look at them compared to each other too, and say, wow, you know, are they running together? Are they, is one outrunning the other? And what does that mean? Um, you know, these guys are, nothing's guaranteed. So, I mean, they're going to be really motivated to, to go out there and do well. Stuart Haas racing, definitely one of the more intriguing teams for this year. And the thing that really is intriguing to me is, is that the teams we've talked about already, Hendrick Motorsports, Joe Gibbs Racing, what do they have there? They have multiple drivers that you can look at and say, these guys could conceivably, realistically win a championship, and I wouldn't be surprised. They all have multiple of those guys, right? Stuart House Racing right now just has Kevin Harvick. That's it. 
I mean, I, I think Briscoe's got that potential, but that's still a long way to go for a guy who's never won a cup race before. Eric Omarola is not that guy. I'm not sure if Cole Custer's that guy. I don't think he is. I think he's a good driver, but I don't know if he's a championship caliber. They just don't have depth right now in their driver ranks. That That's the big thing right now. And that's a that's something they're going to have to f- figure out going forward, too. When have, Kevin Harvick decides to retire, whether who knows when that is, they're going to have to figure out, we have to get somebody in here who's going to be an A-plus driver and is able to carry this organization. In addition, that's even if Eric, uh, that's even if Chase Briscoe becomes a driver we think he can become because they need more than one person to carry the ball. That's a good point. Let's move on to Team Penske. Their three-driver lineup is now Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, and Austin Sindrick. Austin Sindrick being elevated from the Xfinity Series, nearly won back-to-back Xfinity Series titles, of course, was bumped out of the way, coming to the finish line to uh, lose the championship. Instead, Daniel Hemrick won it. Um, Brad Kozlowski's moved on to RFK Racing. Um, You know, this team, obviously, look, I mean, Logano is Logano. He's going to be a championship contender or or race-winning type guy every year, you would think, um, under normal circumstances. Ryan Blaney seems to be getting better, seems to be improving. Um, I think he hasn't reached his ceiling yet. And then Austin Sindrick, when you look at the totality of his career, from where he started to where he is now, just massively improved. Incredible. I mean, really, really massively improved. And especially, I mean, now a legit threat probably on every road course. Um, and, you know, it's it's not hard to picture him getting a win on one of the road courses. I don't know if I'm ready to say he's going to win an, on an oval yet, but certainly um, his Xfinity Series success shows that he's going to be a capable driver. I think Brad Keselowski, though, leaves huge shoes to fill. That's going to be tough to step into the the number two car there and just replicate that success on a consistent week-to-week basis as a cup rookie. But, you know, I think you could potentially have three playoff drivers out of that team. I at least think Logano and and Blaney will make it, and Sindrick will be in the conversation. I agree with everything you said there. You know, what we don't talk about a lot is Team Penske – had a disappointing year last year yeah ryan blaney won multiple races for the first time in his career and and blaney was certainly by far the best out of the bunch of those guys but logano and keselowski only won one race apiece logano's win came on the dirt at bristol brad's win came at talladega super speedway so those are not the you know tried and true traditional tracks if you will they have to get better they've got to find more speed in their cars it was kind of a forward thing across the board last year carrying over from Stuart haas i agree blaney and logano are guys you look at and say they should be in the playoffs. Logano especially should be in the championship mix. I think Blaney takes that step this year and puts himself in that conversation. He's kind of been flirting with it a couple times. You know, he's led the point standings a few times during the regular season, and he's been in the mix a little bit. I think he takes that next big step and is really a guy that you're looking at week in and week out. I agree with you on Austin Sindrick. I don't think this guy gets appreciated enough or is is for his ability because I think people remember him for when he first came in to the Xfinity series and he was wrecking almost every single week. And people look at that and they say, oh, this guy's no good. And then, you know, the fact that his dad is president of Team Penske kind of gets labeled with this broad brush. I don't think that's fair. This is a really good driver who works really, really hard to be a great driver. And I think the way this schedule sets up with the road courses and everything, He's got a chance to win this year. You look at what he did last year at Coda in a cup car. He was on dry tires and wet conditions. He was leading that race. This is a good driver. I'm not going to sit there and say he's going to win a race. I just wouldn't be surprised if it happens. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets that win and puts himself in the playoff. 
yeah, very smart guy, uh, really knows how to process uh, the learning and apply it to, you know, whether it's, it's video or sim time and, and apply it to his own racing. So, um, definitely a guy to watch there. Um, I, I have to differ with you a little bit on who I see rising up from this team though. I, I think that this is going to be a Logano year where he's going to sort of get back to showing us what he's capable of with multiple wins, with being a championship contender. I'm thinking three, four, five wins for Logano. Um, I really think he's going to be, you know, challenging for the final four and it's going to be like, Oh yeah, there's the Joey that everybody is used to seeing. Um, I think once you even the playing field and say, okay, let's see who the best drivers are. He is one of the best drivers. He's one of the best talents out there. And this will be a great opportunity for him to show, um, who he is. And now, uh, you know, sort of lead this team without Brad there. Blaney obviously, you know, is a leader as well, but I think Logano, this is a chance for him to really step up and say, Hey, I'm, I'm the guy. You know, yeah, I would agree with that. I think Logano is poised for a big year. If Ford can, and Penske can find a little bit more speed of their car, we know he can win any given week on any type of track. So let's talk about um, our, you know, that's all the, that's all for the bigger teams as far as the three and four car teams. Now it goes to the two car teams. Um, and let's talk about Brad Kozlowski's new team, RFK Racing, Roush Fenway Kozlowski. He's obviously gone over there and his teammates with Chris Busher. Um, you know, I, I, I am of the opinion that a motivated Kozlowski is a very dangerous Kozlowski. And that's why he's going to be out to, to, it's, it's going to feel like a chip on his shoulder, him against the world, people doubting him that why would he go to this team? Uh, and even though if he's going to be part owner, he's in the prime of his career and he's going to be motivated to win. Uh, he's rebuilding it. Uh, he just, they just hired, uh, our former coworker when we started at the, the athletic motorsports, there was three of us. Now two of us are still there. And one of us is working for RFK racing, David Smith. Um, well, we'll miss his journalism for sure. Um, uh, but he's probably going to be valuable to RFK racing in terms of his analytics that he brings over there. And then Chris Busher, you know, I mean, look, there, Chris Busher a few years ago was like quietly had one of the better seasons of anybody in terms of consistency and really getting the most out of his equipment. Didn't really follow it up last year, but um, I, I think this year, especially with Keselowski there, um, he's gonna, you know, it's just going to be a whole fresh image there. I, I'm not saying he'll make the playoffs, but I think he'll run a lot better and more consistently, um, maybe close to Keselowski, what he does. So uh, I think Keselowski's a playoff driver, wins a race. Busher is probably a fringe guy, maybe an Amarola-ish type season um, where he's putting up decent results. How do you see RFK racing? it's tough to say because a lot of this to me depends on what happens with this next gen car. And if the next gen car is kind of the difference maker between the haves and the half nots and kind of shrinks that golf between uh, teams a little bit, the big and small teams, that's the case. And you put Brad in equal equipment. Yeah. He's a difference maker. He is motivated to prove everybody wrong. He's really good. And he's a guy who can win any given week. I think Brad wins a race this year. But I don't know if that race that race may be a super speedway race because Ford is really good in those races. Brad is great in those races. I think Brad makes the playoffs. I mean, even if the next gen car doesn't do what people think it's going to do and isn't you know this this performance leveler, Roush Fenway Racing, the old incarnation of it, still built competitive race cars and they had drivers in the playoffs. I mean, Ryan Newman put himself in the playoffs on consistency and pointing his way in. Chris almost did it a year ago. Their performance kind of fell off as the summer went along. So 
Brad is obviously better driver than both of those guys. So he's going to be – that alone is going to be enough to add more points to his total. He's going to find a way to get in the playoffs. I don't doubt that. It's just a matter of whether those cars are good enough to get him a win on a non-super speedway type track. And I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know if they're there yet. I think they still got a little bit ways to go. But I think there's going to be moments this year where we look at it and say, okay, yeah. They're getting better, and you can see it, and I think they're going to set themselves up for a bigger 2023. Yeah, I mean, that's it's going to be fascinating to see what that team does, and it'll be a fun storyline to watch for us all, all year. You know, I mean, that's one of these you know, new pairings where it's just like, wow, what's, what's going to happen with this? It's really hard to say, but um, let's go on to another uh, two-car team. Now, this one did not change their lineup. This is Richard Childress Racing. Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick are both still there. And, uh, you know, it just seems like, man, Tyler Reddick continues to be just on the verge of something big. Um, I, I, the more I, I see of Tyler Reddick, the more convinced I am that he's going to be around for a long, long time. He's going to win a championship at some point. He's going to win a lot of races. Now this is, I'm saying this about somebody who has not won a single race yet. So maybe that's getting way ahead of myself, but I just think his talent level comes through and shows itself in flashes. And when he puts it all together, um, whether that's, you know, complete races, a complete season, having the team to back him up. And maybe that's not Richard Childress racing. Maybe he needs to go to a bigger organization at some point, uh, with even more resources or something. But, um, I just think he, he's really a guy to watch. That's he, he's going to be special. I think. And, and Austin Dillon quietly continue, you know, he's always overlooked. He's always overlooked. People, I think, want to overlook him and just dismiss him as, you know, the, the team owner's grandson. And yet he he's there. He's he's yeah. there to, you know, in contention for big race wins. Um, he's in contention for the playoffs, things like that. So um, you can't overlook him either. But I, I really think maybe maybe we see this is the year where, where Tyler Reddick uh, breaks through. I agree that Reddick. I think he's just poised for one of those breakout years. And I think he the list of drivers to get their first career win probably begins with him. I mean, you know, on that list is Chastain, Suarez, Briscoe, Sindrick, but like Reddick is it. I mean, I think you're going to pinpoint a guy to get his first career win this year. It's Reddick. He's come close so many times. He's got unworldly talent. It's, he is so fast on so many different types of tracks. He's starting to figure out the patience element too, where, you know, he realizes I don't have to run hard for 400, 500 miles up against the wall. I can, maybe kind of back Ralph a little bit, put myself in a position where my car isn't beat up and the composite body, the, the car might be better for a driver like Reddick a little bit where you can kind of abuse it a little bit. I think he's in for a big year. I'm curious. And I agree with your comments about Jalen. He's one of those guys too, kind of gets pain with a broad brush, but he's turned into a pretty darn good solid driver who puts himself in position um, to, to maximize his point total, you know, and, it would be interesting to see what he could do with an elite team that, you know, with like a Gibbs or a Hendrick or that kind of thing. But I think he's done a really good job with his grandfather's team. What's going to be interesting to me is Richard Childress racing has had their hands on this next gen car longer than every other team. Does that give them any kind of advantage in, in this or does it not matter? I, I don't know. We'll see, but it, it's something to keep an eye on. That's a good point. I don't know. I don't know though. I mean, that's Yeah. You're asking, you know, I, I think, I think the, the development of the, of the teams, uh, and these cars is going to be so quick during the season and it's going to change so much that just cause one team had it longer. I don't know. I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe they no, might know I, some adjustments early in the year, but yeah. 
You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, all right. Continuing with the two car teams, we have 2311 racing. Obviously that was a one car team last year in its first year, uh, with Bubba Wallace as the driver. Now they've added Kurt Busch coming over from Ganassi and big, big year for Bubba Wallace in the sense that now you've got a teammate to directly compare him to. And obviously this is, you know, I don't think that sponsors are, are going to leave him or something if, if he doesn't win or, or if he's not, uh, you know, notably improved. But I think if, if Kurt Busch outruns him and is winning races while Bubba isn't, or is, you know, being a consistent, you know, lap leader or something like that while Bubba is, is struggling, that's where you're, you're going to have the fans turn on him. Well, the fans who still have an open mind about him. Obviously some fans are just determined to not like Bubba, but the fans who are like, sort of like, hey, you know, we think he's going to be good. All of a sudden, it's going to turn into, this is Danica. This is the next Danica, and it's just a marketing thing, and this is not cool, and we're tired of this. Stop talking about him, um, which is, you know, I, I think that's, this is, I'm not saying it's a make or break year for him, but this is a big year for, for Bubba Wallace. I think Kurt Busch is going to come in and be very consistent, very good right away. Um, you know, he always seems to win one one race a year. Um, I think he'll, he'll do that. He'll, he'll obviously be a, a playoff contender. If, even if he doesn't win a race, um, you know, he's a veteran guy who really knows what he's doing and hopefully Bubba, you know, can, can keep pace with them. We'll, we'll see what happens. What is, what's your impressions? I agree with you on Kurt. I mean, he, you can just, it feels like you can just pencil him in for one win and a playoff, you know, appearance every single year. I don't think that's any different. I, I think that's the, you know, he's going to be in good equipment. He knows how to get done. Even if he can't find his way to victory lane, he's still good enough to accumulate enough points. We saw it last year. I mean, even before the Atlanta win, it was like he was just he was getting the most out of his stuff every single week. I'm really curious to see what he does over there and how he helps elevate this program. And I, and I can't say this enough. I've written about it. I've talked about it. But what he does behind the scenes is going to be a huge difference maker for that organization and lifting it up. I think this was out, I mean, Brad Keselowski going to Roush is, is different for a lot of reasons. But this was it was like a one A one B in terms of free agents, you know, signings this year and, and what and their impact. And I think Kurt is going to have that impact. Conversely, I'll say this: 
I don't. I think there's more pressure on Bubba Wallace this year to perform than there was last year. Last year, you had the you had the built-in reasons of brand new team getting her f- feet underneath us. You know, working with everybody. You know, you, you just you had those growing pains. You knew that was going to happen. Well, like you said, Jeff, Kurt comes over there this year, and, and Kurt's doing what Kurt does, and Bubba's not performing. Uh, that's that, that that the fingers are going to point back to you. Why? I mean, because you're the teammate in the same equipment is outperforming you. What's going on? There wasn't that factor last year. I think this is a big year for Bubba Wallace, and he's got to show uh, he can be a consistent contender, finishing in the top ten on a regular basis. We saw flashes of it. We've seen flashes of it, but you, you got to turn those good runs into good finishes, and we haven't seen that yet on a consistent basis. This is a really big year for Bubba Wallace because if not. Then it goes into 2023, and then there's going to be a lot of question marks about you know contracts and stuff like that. Let's talk about Trackhouse Racing Team. By the Ooh. way, I, I might be the only person that says Trackhouse Race Trackhouse Racing Team. But when I had when they started up, I asked Justin Marks, "Do you want Trackhouse Racing or Trackhouse Racing Team?" Because I'd seen it two different ways. He said, "I prefer Trackhouse Racing Team," but then you see everybody just call it Trackhouse Racing. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly what to call it, but maybe I'll double check <laughs> as this year gets going, but what do they put on the, we just, we just got to figure out, I always have a rule. What do they put on their letterhead? That's the, what matters. I think it's been different at times between like their, their PR releases or maybe like their, their Twitter account, or I, I can't even remember <laughs> where I saw it, but, um, anyway, uh, you I have a NASCAR style guide. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Suarez and now Ross Chastain has come over there. They obviously, bought the uh, Ganassi assets, their charters. They're operating out of Ganassi's old shop. However, they are very much their own team, but they they wanted to keep Chastain as part of that. Tell me your impressions of the Suarez-Chastain combo at Trackhouse. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about this team in the sense, I think the, high, the ceiling is high for these guys, but I also could see why this team could maybe stumble this year and underachieve. Go back to last year, Daniel Suarez and that team, they had a lot of really good runs at times. I mean, they finished top five at Bristol, were in contention to win that race, had a lot of speed at Nashville. They had a lot of speed in a lot of races last year, but they didn't finish races well. They had a lot of DNFs, a lot of mechanical failures. So when I look at a team in its first year of existence and had a lot of mechanical failures and growing pains, okay, that's to be expected. But then you're adding a second car, and that's concerning to me because now I feel like maybe you're kind of spreading yourselves out a little bit too thin. And I know they brought in personnel and everything, but this is just, I, I've got questions about the, how this is going to go. And I think Suarez and Chastain are really good drivers who in the right situation can do a lot of things. If they can figure out the reliability issues and get some consistency, I could see Suarez being a surprise contender and me, being in the playoff mix. Absolutely. Chastain last year, um, not to continue to harp on this, but you know what we wrote last week on The Athletic, I don't think people talk enough about the good year he had last year. This was a driver really in a sense, he's not a rookie rookie, but he's never been in like a full-time ride in the cup series where he was expected to be competitive. And he did a good job last year. He had a lot of strong runs, a lot of near wins, finished second at Nashville, was in contention at a couple other places. He needs to hone his aggressiveness a little bit. He understands that. He's, he's been open about that. Uh, the conversation he had with Kevin Harvick, where Harvick you know, kind of pulled him to the side and said, hey, listen, if you would have done this differently here and been smarter, you would have had a top five car, top five finish. Um, Chastain's taken that to heart. Let's see him take the next step. I wouldn't be surprised to see Suarez or Chastain win a race this year, but I got to see where Trackhouse is out before I, before I really feel comfortable in what those guys can do. Yeah. I mean, Chastain to me is like, 
you can see that his confidence grew in the second half of last year where it was like, okay, I, I belong in the cup series. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I can do this and I can get the results. And I think confidence goes a long way when you're making moves on the track. And, and, uh, you know, obviously maybe we can overrate that a little bit sometimes in terms of momentum things, but I mean, it allows you to have the mindset, like I'm going to go beat this guy today and I'm going to go win this race today. And when you have people inside the car that doubt that about themselves, I think that shows up as well. So, um, I think Chastain is, is going to have a, a good solid year. I mean, definitely playoff contender. I'm not sh- sure that I can see him winning a race and the same with Suarez. I mean, I still out of, after all we've seen from Suarez, I just am not quite sure what to make of him. Like in terms of what's his, what's his potential. I mean, is this a guy who is just waiting to just burst out and he's just going to win races and, and be a playoff guy or, you know, is he just not getting enough out of the car? Like, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't, I just don't think we have enough evidence yet to say, um, so this is a big year for him. Um, and really both these guys to prove themselves in, especially with sort of a reset where, you know, the, you know, it's sort of everybody's, I'm not saying it's up for grabs, but it's at least more than before. So we'll see. This can be very interesting. Another very interesting team to watch. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what happens with track house this year. Cause I am too. yeah, that's, that's a very big question, Mark. High ceiling. It's only, I mean, they, they have the potential. It's just a matter of, <laughs> well, it's, it's putting it together. Similarly, um, on, on sort of a, the same note, um, the Petty GMS team, now the merge team, uh, that used to be Richard Petty Motorsports, uh, basically acquired by GMS, but they kept the, the Petty name, so to speak. Um, now a two car team they have and Eric Jones and Ty Dillon, what an interesting choice to pick Ty Dillon where, uh, his career seemed like it was maybe on life support for a bit there. Um, like, wow, Ty Dillon's just knocking together a chance. It seems like he had multiple opportunities. He didn't run well. And sort of the Xfinity starts that he had with Gibbs and, um, what does this mean for him? Is he ever going to get another opportunity? Then next thing you know, uh, he's a cup driver again. So, uh, (laughs) that's big for him because you don't know what, what this is going to mean. This new partnership, really no idea what to make of this petty GMS team. I mean, Eric Jones, obviously we've talked a lot about We're we're sort of still believers in his talent. Uh, will they have more resources? What will that mean being on more of an even playing field? Um, yeah, really don't know what to make of it. It's hard to, I guess I I will say it's hard to sit here today and go, Oh, these are, these are playoff contenders. You know, I I see them more as like 15th to 20th place guys. Um, no, what do you mean? Oof. I mean, the top 16 make the playoffs. So really 15 seems really high for me in the standings. Yeah. I don't see I don't see any of these guys. And I like Jones a lot. I'm a believer in Jones. I have said I think he's tremendously talented. I just don't see this organization being good enough to finish 15th in points. That to me is that's high. Okay, so you're thinking more around what? What what's your impression? I think I think if Jones can finish, he finished what 25th last year in points. If he can finish around 20th, that to me is a good year. Um, the Ty Dillon the Ty Dillon thing. It is what it is. I mean, let, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, he's there partially because of the the, the Childers connection. I mean, he's uh, GMS has got a relationship with Richard Childers Racing um, that kind of opened the door for this and having alliance with them. Dylan's fine. He's serviceable. His experience with other teams in these seven situations where you've got a 
a ceiling on what you can do. And he, he doesn't wreck a lot of equipment, which is good. But, you know, he is what he is. He's fine. Jones is, is interesting. Like, if you give him good equipment, he can do something with it. We, we've seen it. But, you know, can he, can he push it beyond that and, and elevate them? I don't know. And the question is, too, is GMS is a first-year organization in the Cup Series. Does anything of what they had in the Truck Series where they built a contending – annual an annual team that contended for the championship and won championships does that matter at all like does that does that mojo does that know-how does that have any impact in the cup series I, I don't know i mean respectfully i think that you're not you're not wrong if we were viewing this through the lens of the previous generation car but you're saying well if jones has good equipment eric jones is going to be driving the same car as kyle larson this year the same equipment so yeah, I'm not a. I, I don't buy that though. Like, I don't buy. I mean, we've. Ta- I mean, people have said this. Oh, the next gen car is gonna is gonna is gonna make everybody on a level play field. It's not. I'm not buying that anymore. The people I'm I've not, talked. To- I'm not saying that in terms of that he's going to be as competitive with it because obviously engineers. He's not driving the same resource, car as Kyle Larson. He's not. He's driving the same equipment. He's it, driving it, the it, same it, car with the same parts and pieces as anybody else. So we, you have we I can we can go back to the IndyCar series. We can look at IndyCar series where they had spec equipment and Ganassi and Penske dominated for what was it, like two three years, and they won just about every single race there is to win. It, I get it. I understand on the surface you're looking. Oh, everybody's got the same equipment. It shouldn't matter anymore. Well, no, it, it's going to matter because the number of engineers and no and and mind mind power that all these big teams have behind the scenes is going to factor in and how these cars are, what, how you build it, what you can do with these cars, how you tweak these cars and how you make them better. Listen, if it was about just talent alone, Eric Jones would probably be finishing near in the top 10 on a regular basis, but it, it takes more than that. And, and until proven otherwise, I'm just going to be skeptical. That's, that's fair. I just think, um, I just think you might be underplaying these guys a little sure. bit. I mean, GMS knows how to win races in the other series they've been in. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'm not, I think it's a leap, but I'm, I'm just, I'm a little bit higher on them obviously than, than you are. Um, let's talk about front row motorsports, another two car team. They have Michael McDowell, Daytona 500 champion and Todd Gilliland who comes straight from the truck series. Now, um, personally, I think Todd Gilliland is in a great situation here because Mm -hmm. He's with a team that likes him. He already knows them from running with uh, in trucks for them, and obviously his dad raced for Front Row. He's he's been around the team, you know. He's got a good support network there, right? It's not like when he was at Kyle Busch Motorsports, and you know it felt hostile to him. And the reason I think he's in a really good situation though is because nobody has a single expectation for him at all. I mean, you're not looking at this being like, oh, Todd Gilliland is going to come out and contend for a playoff spot or win races or something. He hasn't even driven in the Xfinity series yet. Um, all we know is from his truck history and you know, people are just going to come in. So I guess the bottom line is he can stay totally under the radar and just stay out of people's way, get laps, learn without people going, Oh geez, you know, how come you're not running? You know, you're, you haven't gotten, gotten a top 10 or whatever, but if he does anything at all, Sort of mm-hmm. like when John Hunter Nemechek was in that car. I was just going to say that too. You go, wow, wow, that's really impressive. Like, yeah. And that's a great situation for a young driver to be in because the pressure can really mount on people. And uh, 
you know, even if he's not running with McDowell as teammate, I think, uh, you know, people are just, they're not going to make a big deal out of it. So, uh, McDowell, you know, he'll, he'll be fine. He'll be good on road courses, super speedways. Um, seemed like he was really excited in Nashville talking to him about, you know, man, if you, if you knew what we had to work with before the idea of having the same, you know, close to the same car and not like a seven year old former Roush car or something like that, that we're running, uh, this is going to be big for us kind of thing. So, um, you know, he'll, he'll probably take a step up. Um, you know, it's hard to say, oh, there'll be, he'll be a playoff contender. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to take him winning a race probably, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. What do you, what do you think about front row motorsports? I echo your comments on Todd Gilliland. If you're going to make the move from the truck series to the cup series, this is the year to do it as NASCAR is introducing a new car and everybody theoretically is on the same playing field. The important thing to me for Todd is not to try to do too much. Try not to push the equipment. This happened to John Onimacek where he was wrecking a lot of equipment and it was, it was a burden on front row motorsports and trying to keep up with that. As a rookie driver, it's imperative. You, you make laps, you're on the racetrack, you don't make mistakes and you don't put your team in a hole. If Todd, like you said, if Todd can go out and finish races and and, keep, and run clean, he's going to be in good shape. I, I like Todd. I think he's got a lot of talent. I think he's one of those guys who, who needed needs to be in the right situation, and this is the right situation for him. Michael McDowell, uh, um, he, he doesn't have his crew chief. That's the big thing. You know, Drew Blickensdorf has moved on to Stuart Haas Racing. That is a huge loss. Drew is a really good crew chief who knew how to play the pit strategy game as well as anybody out there. He knew how to maximize track position. Losing him for a team like Front Row where you've got to punch above your weight on, on a lot of these tracks, that's tough to overcome. Outside the Daytona 500 last year, they had a lot of good runs. I mean, go back to Homestead. He was out running and he finished, what, fifth in that race last year at Homestead? Fourth, whatever it was. That's incredible for that team to do that is really impressive a large large amount of credit though goes to drew that is a hard that is a hard thing to overcome you're bringing in blake harris first time he's ever been a crew chief blake is smart he's talented he's got a championship pedigree from his time on the 78 and the 19 teams with truex and cole pern and james small and everything but this is this is not an easy thing to do i think it's going to be a it's going to be hard for them to to replicate the success they had last year um making the playoffs is it's, I don't see it. No, I'm not saying that, but I mean, the Blake Harris move, I wouldn't, you know, that's, that's a pretty good guy to bring in. I mean, guy who's sure who's been around, I mean, any, you know, Absolutely. a disciple of Cole Pern to come in and, uh, who's been around all that, that those winning races, w- winning race teams and, um, been with Joe Gibbs racing for such a long time too, uh, or at least affiliated with them when, when they were at front row. Um, or yeah, I just, or furniture row. I said front row. Sorry. I do. I do that all of the time, by the way. And to go from furniture row to front row and like back, it just screws me up all the furniture time. row, front row. Gosh. Yeah. It's, it's hard to think of the next thing you're going to say when you're caught up on the rows for which F row. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, with, with the furniture row days, um, and then obviously, you know, he, he'd moved out from Denver, moved back to North Carolina, um, still was with Cole Pern. I mean, obviously they felt strongly enough to bring him there. He's a talented guy, you know, hasn't been a crew chief, but has been a car chief and, you know, understands how to set up these cars. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what, what, what he's able to do. Um, you know, McDowell seems to be getting better and better every year. He's, he's quite the veteran guy. I, I just think, uh, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, Blick and Surfer, that's definitely a big loss, like you said, but, um, I think they have a capable guy stepping in. 
Let's talk about College Racing. Now, uh, they have two full-time teams, but only one full-time driver. That is Justin Haley. Then the other team, they're going to be splitting between A.J. Allmendinger, Daniel Hemrick, and Noah Gregson. Noah Gregson has not made his cup debut yet. He tried making the Daytona 500 last year, I, I believe, right? Unless I'm wrong, missing something. That is correct. He tried to make it last year for Beard Motorsports, and he right. did not uh, and, and he will be doing the same thing for Beard Motorsports for Daytona this year. But even if he doesn't make it, he's guaranteed to be running some cup races this year. Uh, including his hometown of Las Vegas later in the year. I'm sure that'll be a very special uh, time for him. But um, And then Daniel Hemrick, obviously he had one year in cup uh, with Richard Childress Racing and then didn't get another shot. So he's going to be back with with some cup races um, as well. And on Almondinger, uh, boy, he's he already won on a cup road course last year. <laughs> he's going to be a, a big threat to win again. Um, what do you make of Justin Haley being full-time and, and these other this other trio of guys at Colleg? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure where to stand on Haley. I, I think he's talented. He's shown at times, I think, as he doesn't probably – he's probably more deserving of some hype than he gets when in terms of prospects and everything. He's not always touted as one of these next great drivers. I think he's got the potential to be. But I always go back to this, and, and I wrote about this on this free agency thing I did on The Athletic last week. Of Justin Haley was in really good equipment in the Xfinity Series, his colleague, uh, you know, colleague. Why didn't he win more? Why were all of his wins only on super speedway races? Now, that's great. He's great at Talladega and Daytona. He's very good in those races. But why is he not won elsewhere? That, to me, is a question mark. That's concerning. Um, I think he's in a really good situation. They like him here. That He's a good fit. They, you know, it, It's a good situation for him. It's going to let him have some growing pains. Um, I don't know what to expect this year. I mean, I could see them having some bad stretches at times because they're learning the ropes. And it's a big leap from running part-time and, and focusing all of your attention on just a few races that you know you're going to be good at, road courses, super speedways, and, and then now having to build race cars and get ready for every single week on every type of track. That's a big step. Um, I expect some growing pains out of them. They can finish top 25 in points. I think that's a success. The other car that, that's got a part-time rotation of drivers, I mean, Allmendinger's a threat anytime he shows up in any equipment on a road course. We, we saw it many times over. He, he, he could very, very, very well win one of these races next year. Wouldn't be surprised. Hemrick to me is one is a really good driver who I don't think he got a fair shake in his first, you know, foray into the cup series. He belongs in the cup series. I think he's that kind of driver. I'm interested to see what he does now with some confidence underneath him. And the fact that he's showing people I can win. And that that's a big thing. Um, Noah Gregson last year in the second half of the year, I thought showed really his toughness, his, his ability to kind of dig in and not be afraid to, to, to be gritty. Um, you know, a lot of part in the beginning of the year was Noah was making headlines for the wrong reasons, for mistakes he was making, for things he was saying. And the second half of the year, he's making headlines because he's winning races. That's the Noah you want to see. If Noah keeps with that mindset, I think he could be himself in a big year in the Xfinity Series, and that could parlay itself into the Cup Series as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, if he, if he runs solid in this Cup car, in addition to being successful in Xfinity, I mean, maybe next year's the year you see him full-time in, in cup. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like that much of a stretch at this point. He's going to, he's got a chance to really position himself for, for to be one of those guys that teams are looking at for 2023. We have five more teams to talk about and uh, let's wrap up with our, um, a pair of two car teams. Um, one of which is Spire Motorsports. They returned Coyla joy to stack more pennies. Um, they didn't have the year last year that I thought they were going to, but um, this probably gets them a little bit closer to this next gen car. 
And then very excited to see Josh Balicki coming over to run, uh, I think about, they said maybe 25 races in yep. Spire's other car. And this is a guy who we talked about last year, you know, really uh, takes good care of his equipment, stays out of trouble. We talked so much about, you know, sort of the back marker drivers who would get themselves in the way or cause problems in races. And you're like, oh, there's a caution for this guy again. You rarely heard that about Josh Balicki. Um, a really good driver. And now he has a chance, um, in much better equipment than he's been driving, um, with the team, uh, to support him. So excited to see what he can do. Uh, I don't really think people know about him too much. He's not on too many radars, but, um, that's a guy who, you know, he's, he's getting a chance now. So that, that'll be cool. Um, it'll, I think it's important to see Corey LaJoy take a step up too, because we've been hearing about the stacking pennies for such a long time. You know, it's time to stack more than that. I would agree with that. I'd echo those comments that it's time for Corey LaJoy to take that next step. We saw flashes out of him, you know, go back to Southern 500 last year. They had a really good run and left there with a good respectable finish. We need to see more out of that. This is a driver and team that has talked a lot about the next gen car and how they feel like the next gen car suits them and plays to their strength and allows them to kind of take that next step competitively. Let's see it. Let's, let, let's see that happen. And now now's the time. And then Rick Ware Racing, um, they have two charters, one of which will be a full-time car with Cody Shane Ware. And um, so that's no surprise, obviously, that that he is is back. And then their other car, um, it's going to be split, right? And and I'm not sure that the, I don't specifically recall the number of races. I know David Reagan is in for a Daytona 500. Ryan Priest was named as um, running some races there. Joey Hand is going to do some road course races for them. Um, am I missing something that they've announced or is there more to be announced maybe for that? Yeah. Car? Those are the three drivers they've announced right now. Hands going to do all the road course races and then the rest is going to be kind of a, you know, as we come, I'm, I'll tell you this, and I'm not kidding when I say this, I'm actually really intrigued by Rick Ray racing. I think they're doing things the right way. They used to be a punching bag. You know, we, we, we know that, I mean, on the racetrack and how they conduct themselves, I like the moves they're making. I like the fact that they scaled back and said, we're just going to try to focus on two cars. We're not going to try to run three. We're not going to try to run four. I, I like the fact that they've done some behind the scenes maneuvers that some guys they brought in to kind of focus on this. I like the relationship they have with Stuart Haas racing where they're kind of the, the B team to Stuart Haas racing. And that's, that's part of why Joey hand is there. It's part of why Ryan priest is there is that when those guys are in that race car, it's basically going to be a fifth Stuart Haas racing car and it's going to be an R and D car in a lot of ways. That's, that's intriguing to me what this team is doing. It's not going to, you know, they're not going to be world beaters by any means, but I like the fact that they are trying to take a step up in competitiveness in that next class. I, I like the people they brought in. I think they have an opportunity to, to kind of surprise a couple people with some runs this year and, and, and turn some heads. Mm. No, I don't, I don't think so. You don't think, think with so. a Ryan priest in that car, they could have like a top 10 finish somewhere or a Joey hand in a road course. Um, no. <laughs> okay. I'm I not, mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, no, I'm just not sold yet. No, I'm not. Your, your skepticism yeah. about petty GMS is my skepticism about Rick Ware racing. I'll believe it. And, when that's, I and, see and it. I will say it is perfectly justified to be skeptical of Rick Ware racing. They have earned that. It's up to them to kind of change people's minds. I just like the pieces that they have started to put in place. Now, it's great that you've got all these ingredients. Now you got to bake the recipe. Yeah, I think they have a long way to go to to get toward 
like, wow, people are really impressed by them or they're really having some surprising runs. Um, I don't think that's something that is going to happen overnight. I'm not saying it can't happen. I just, I'll believe. No, no. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I would agree with that. It's it's going to be incremental gains for them this year, but I do think there might be a race or two where they surprise people. Okay. Now uh, we're just down to the one car teams. There's three teams that have one charter apiece. Let's start with the big headliner, I guess. Uh, the Wood Brothers, essentially a Penske affiliate. Um, Harrison Burton taking over for Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, you know, sort of a... This is, this is big for Harrison Burton because... It looked like he was on the way up to being a, a rising Xfinity Series star and then, you know, had a rough year last year, not the year that he wanted. And all of a sudden he's promoted the Cup Series. This is the chance he wanted. Got to do something with it, you know. Um, you have to take advantage of that opportunity. And that's a good car. So it's it's a little bit unfair because, like, you know, we were just talking about Todd Gilliland. Oh, he's in a great situation because he doesn't have any pressure on him. Harrison Burton probably does have some pressure on him, you know. Um, I'm not saying people are expecting Harrison Burton to win, but they're going to expect him to run well, or at least put Wood Brothers in the conversation. Um, I mean, I, I think that you would at least want to run as well as De Benedetto did. And despite De Benedetto's lack of success, he at least was a playoff contender, fringe playoff mm-hmm. contender. So and made the playoffs one year. Yeah, and so if if Harrison is way off that, uh, you know, I think that's people are going to be like, wow, what the heck, kind of thing. So. Um, I don't know. Can he be successful in that car? He can be, but I think it's a lot to ask in year one. I mean, this is a, a young driver, and the difference between Matt and Harrison is Matt had a lot of experience, a lot of cup starts before he got into that car. Um, now, obviously, he wasn't in great equipment, but experience is still count for something. Harris doesn't, Harrison doesn't have a lot of experience. The question uh, is about Harrison is can he win consistently and run consistently up front? It looked like in 2020 he was becoming Coming that next young, great driver in the Toyota Joe Gibbs pipeline took, I think, a big step back last year, went from four wins to zero. And the fact that Ty Gibbs came in and blew his doors off on the regular it was astounding to me. And it was like caused me to give pause. What's going on here? Harrison's in a good spot. He's with a good team. They like him. He's a good fit um, with all of the noise that was surrounding Matt last year behind the scenes in front of the cameras and everything. Harrison gives them a driver that they like. I mean, we've the conversation I've had with people, like you, you keep hearing about Harrison is like, this kid works. I had a chance to talk to him this past weekend at Daytona and I asked him this and I said, what do you think about this? He goes, man, I'm just happy to be here. I'm really grateful for this opportunity and I want to show these guys that I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And he shows up early for the meetings. He shows up early for the test sessions. He's just around. I'm not expecting him to blow people's doors off this year, but I think if he can finish have a good solid rookie year finish somewhere in the low twenties. To me, that's a successful year. Are you, uh, are you caught up on the Burton continuum yet? I have not, I have not, I have not listened to any of it. Unfortunately, I have it in my queue. I just have not had a chance to. Oh, okay. Well, definitely recommend it. Um, they're only three episodes in and episodes are, are not, they're not that long. Um, so definitely if, if you guys are, are interested in that, I, it's, it's been really compelling. This most recent episode, episode three with, uh, Jeff Burton talking about what a hard ass he is, or he was with in, in, in Harrison's career. I mean, like really, uh, was really hard on tough on him to, cause he knew he wanted to make him better. And, and, um, mm. even Harrison's Vietnam veteran, 
grandfather was telling Jeff like, Whoa, you know, like go easy on him kind of thing. Um, he's, you know, you're, you're being too hard on him at, at times. So, um, you know, really interesting. Def, definitely. Uh, you guys need to check that, that podcast out over from, uh, our friends from, uh, from dirty Mo media. Um, anyway, uh, JTG Doherty, they reduced to one car this year. Uh, no more Ryan priests. And they're just down to Ricky Stenhouse jr. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's good that they're focused on one car, but they're, he's certainly going to have their full attention. Um, you never know what you're going to get from Ricky. Probably some good runs, uh, some inconsistent <laughs> runs, you know, uh, some, maybe some wrecks where, where he shouldn't have wrecked. You, you don't know, but, um, we'll see. I mean, he, they're probably gonna have to win a race to make the playoffs. I would, I would think. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And Ricky's a really good super speedway racer. They he finished second at Bristol dirt last year. So there's going to be some opportunities along the way, but the key word you said there was Rex. And when you're with a single car team now with not a, you know, a wealth of resources and you're amid a time when cars are hard to come by, you know, we, we've talked about this, the part shortage and, and teams don't have their full allotment of cars. Uh, most right now only have about two, two and a half cars built. Uh, you know, the, the expectation is they should have three, maybe four by the start of Daytona West coast swing time. If you're wrecking race cars a lot, how are you going to be fixing them? <laughs> you know, and if you're Ricky Stenhouse and you're wrecking race cars, I would be concerned if I'm JTG of like, wait a second here, are we going to be able to figure this out? And Ricky's a talent, but Ricky's got to figure out how to harness that talent. And I thought this when he went over there a couple of years ago, I thought this would be a good fit for him, kind of a reset. I haven't really seen it. It's just kind of been more of the same. And I, this isn't. I haven't really been too impressed by anything I've seen out of, out of this team. And the other thing about this is maybe from a broader view is there's been a lot of, you know, what is, how committed is JTG to NASCAR? There's been a lot of, um, I mean, not even rumors. I mean, it's, it's a fact. Like they have had conversations about getting out. Um, so those conversations probably aren't going to go away because there's a lot of people that want to come into NASCAR right now and are looking at it. This is a charter that can be had. And so, you know, as this is going on, is what is the commitment level here? And, you know, I talked to Brad Doherty last year and he was very candid with me saying, we don't get really anything from Chevrolet in terms of factory support, you know, those kind of things. Um, that, that hasn't changed. So how, how does, where does JGG fit in the hierarchy of cup teams right now? I, I just, I don't know. Well, I mean, when you get double digit millions minimum for a charter right now, uh, I'd listen to, to anybody that wanted to sure. <laughs> buy me oh, out. Yeah. So, um, give me a call. Yeah. yeah. I'd, be, I'd be putting that for a sale sign out in the front yard. Like, like, you know oh. what? Yeah. Maybe we, maybe we are done with NASCAR. Maybe we are ready to go do something else. Uh, that's a lot of beach time you can buy with double digit Ooh. millions, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm not saying they're doing that. I just, yeah, I, I would. I personally would not be opposed to it if somebody wanted to offer me at least ten million dollars for. I'd be eating a hot dog on the beach right now. A hot dog. Turn on a hot dog. Hot dogs are good. On the beach? So, why? 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 Yeah, why you hot should, like they sell hot dogs on the beach all the time. All right, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I feel like a, there's better options if you're gonna like enjoy the fancy beach life than a hot dog. I'm thinking I'm like save my money, my millions. No, I just you just made. got ten million dollars, and you're gonna buy a hot I'm dog. I'm not going to blow it on fancy food. I'm gonna, you know, get me a beach spot. I'm mean, gonna have a cocktail. I'm gonna have a hot dog. What's wrong with that? How about at least like a grilled chicken sandwich or something like to prolong your life so I, you can enjoy? Chicken, though, I am. Yeah, I like chicken, but I'm very picky about my 
chicken and it's always too dry. So I almost very, bro, very rarely order chicken bro, out. You just got over $10 million. You can hire a personal chef to make Again, you a grilled chicken. I am trying to save my money. I am not just going to go blow it. How much do you think a personal chef costs? Okay, so it's 50 grand a year? Yeah, probably 50 grand, I'm not 100 grand. 50 grand a year. I'm going to put that in the bank. You just got 10 million. And I'm trying to be smart and economical oh. and I want to grow that 10 million, Jeff. Oh, just put it in the bank or something. I mean, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I'm not going to go hire I mean, a personal chef. You're probably, it sounds like you're going to be like on a $7 beach chair too with your $3 hot dog or whatever you have, $2 hot dog. Yeah, maybe a juice box. Who knows? <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, you know, the other day, you posted on your Instagram that you enjoy Capri Suns. That yep. really alarmed me. No, 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 no. I didn't say I enjoyed them. I said I was like having one. I had one in the fridge and I and I tried it for the first time in a long time. It wasn't like I'm sipping juice boxes every single book. You had one in day. the fridge though. You purchased it. It was in your fridge. I didn't purchase it. My parents purchased them. They had some in their fridge because I had some little kids over. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to try one of these. I haven't had one of these in for years and just checked it out. It's like, eh, okay. You gave it a rave review on your Instagram, if I'm not mistaken. It was, so. I did not give it a rave review. I said I'm like six years old again. I didn't give it like an A plus or anything like that. You're exaggerating. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm imagining you now with your Capri Sun, your cheap <laughs> hot dog, and your $7 beach chair. And everybody's like, wait, I thought he just sold his race team for $10 million. Ooh, really no. hoity-toity, you know that? They didn't know Jeff was so bougie. I'm not bougie. I just want some good food after I cashed out. Jeez. I mean, <laughs> you're not on the sports writer budget anymore, my friend. You know, you've, you're you uh, a millionaire. Uh, anyway, uh, one more team to go. And uh, they're probably not on the, the millionaire budget either. That's live fast with the driver BJ McLeod. Um, you know, you look, they, they've been pretty clear. They're in, they're in it for the long haul. You know, they're not trying to go out and win races. They're, they're trying to build something. And, uh, you know, this is year two for them. Um, low expectations. Don't really think that, um, you know, I mean, they'll probably have some incremental improvement, but it's not going to be massive. They're, they're trying to do something over the course of a long time here. We're talking about Matt Tift as well being co-owner. So, I mean, are they going to take a step forward? What do you, what do you see here with the, with the next gen car? I think for them, the, the important thing is, is just small little gains. Probably, honestly, it's going to be gains we're not going to actually see on the racetrack, but they're playing the long game. I, you know, BJ and Matt are, are good guys. They're, they're trying to do this uh, in the, the right way over the long term. Booyah for them. You know, BJ is a driver. It, you know, the thing about BJ is we hear drivers on the radios a lot criticize, you know, back markers and traffic and that kind of thing. BJ is one of those guys who's actually really well-respected among a lot of the guys who run up front because he's really knowledgeable. He's respectful. He doesn't, you know, shift his lanes all the time. Like if he sees faster cars coming, he, he knows to stick in a certain groove and just, you know, people respect that. And so I, I you know, BJ's, BJ's a character and it, I like what they're doing over there, but you're not going to, I think, you know, they had what one top 10 finish last year at Daytona. It's like, if you can, you know, come close to, you can do that and, and maybe get another top 10 along the way. I think that's a really good year for them. Yeah. And you know, I, I just wish we could see, and maybe we will get to see it because, you know, at some point this year with the next gen car, maybe they'll have a great run or with a good engine package or something. But I mean, there was that one race last year, you wrote a story about it, I think where what, what, somebody was out or something and BJ was about to get in with COVID somebody. Yeah. Was it? it was at Atlanta in the summer, the Xfinity series race. 
and it wasn't COVID. It was Michael Annette. Oh, right, uh, right, right. Junior Motorsports. And Michael was having some health issues. And he it was the last injury, thing. And yeah. there was no drivers. And Junior Motorsports, like, really, I mean, there's just because of the way the COVID protocols were and everything, there's just not a lot of options. And, like, they were going to put BJ McLeod in there. And BJ was really excited and really happy. And I'll tell you what, man, people on social media were like, this was like the underdog getting his shot. It was right. really cool. Like, there, there's a groundswell of support for him. And he's, he's, it goes back to what I said, he's a good guy who tries to do things the right way, doesn't try to make noise, and he respects people around him. And that even goes back to another story I did last year in the owners meet about the new owners coming in. And it's like BJ's got a – BJ's voice – BJ doesn't speak up in these owner meetings a lot, but when he does, it's like people listen because it, is, is, it, it means something. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people respect him, and people just would love to see him get a shot in something fast, see what he could really do because I think there's a belief that – um you know, he's, he's better than his results have shown in, in his equipment. So, but again, you know, maybe next gen helps with that a little bit. We'll see. So those are the 36 charter teams. Uh, we've given our overview and, um, yeah, it's obviously there's a lot of unanswered questions, which I think for us and for what we do and our purposes, that's really good for us because, um, there's going to be in theory, a lot of storylines to cover this year and it's going to be, we're going to get, a few episodes of post-race podcasts into the season, we're going to be like, wow, who could have seen that coming? We could have never predicted this. Even when we were talking about all the teams, this happened. And that's what makes NASCAR worth watching and, and exciting. And, um, you know, as much as we've talked about formula one over the last year, that's what formula one doesn't have a lot of times. Right. Um, in terms of like, you know, at least the season as a whole, you might get a driver that gets a podium or gets a win or something that after a lot of attrition one day, but, um, I think in NASCAR this year, you're going to see some guys who, you know, you, you really think, well, I, I didn't think that was guy, that guy was going to dominate and win a race this year and, and, and they're going to do it. So it's going to be a fun year, Jordan. I'm excited. I, I'm really excited to see how this year plays out. I'm really particularly excited how the early season plays out. I think you're going to see some teams hit on it and, and be really good. I think it's going to be some teams that you don't expect. And at conversely, I think you're going to see some bigger teams struggle a little bit. I also think you're going to see through the course of the year teams, you're going to have like these swings of like a team being really good for four or five weeks and then being just average for the next four or five weeks and just up and down because everybody's figuring out this car, what works, what doesn't, what can you get away with as you go through inspection? What can't you get away with? Where are some of the gray areas? Um, that gray area has been even more trimmed down. I, I'm, I'm very, I'm fascinated by what this, the out, the, the possibilities that this season holds uh, and really the first, I don't know, three, four months of the season, as you start going to intermediate racetracks, some short tracks, a couple of road courses, like let's see what this is like and how this new car races. I think this is going to be one of the most intriguing years in, in some time. Yep. And it all starts with the clash, which I'm obviously super hyped up for um, heading there Friday morning to get uh, my first look at, uh, the stadium and, uh, have an article out on the athletic. Uh, I think it's coming out Tuesday. I'm not sure when you're listening to this, but, uh, about how they pulled this off building this thing. Um, I don't want to like give the whole thing away, but I thought one of the most intriguing elements and I explained it in there is, is the grass is there. The grass is still there. They had to build over the grass. The Coliseum would not let NASCAR take the grass up. And there's reasons for that. Um, they built the racetrack, all on top of that, with all this material, 
USC's field that they just played on in November is still somewhere all down below there. Um, and it's obviously dead now, but, um, there's a reason that it's very complicated, but anyway, uh, so check that out on, on the athletic, a lot of details there, and, uh, we'll have full coverage from there as well. In addition to this post-race podcast, yes, we're back to post-race podcasts coming up. <laughs> we'll have that for you Sunday night, uh, after the clash. So stay tuned for that. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you next time on the teardown.